Welcome back to Lemon Water. I'm Nick. And I'm Alex. I came to you a few weeks ago about one of my... my um, many good ideas. Many good ideas, or just basically just wanted to have a heart-to-heart or something like that about, about, about some stuff. And then you had said, listen to Tim Ferriss. Yep. Yeah, not the, 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 specifically, though, the Tim Ferriss-Jamie Foxx podcast, which is like... One of Tim Ferriss's like best podcasts. Right, right. Oh yeah, I think it was because I wanted to like start like working out again, and you mm-hmm. said that they had spoken about it in the podcast. Yeah, wow. exactly. So I listened to the podcast. I love the podcast. It's a great podcast. And and then Tim's Tim's a man. Oh yeah, he's a, a man. Podcast. Yeah. Well, and then I, I listened mean, to oh, and then I listened to the Walmart. He interviewed Walmart CEO. What was his name? Yep. I can't remember. Well, we have our phones for that. Yeah. Um, they interviewed him. That was a shorter podcast. That one was only like, I think, like 30 or 45 minutes. Usually his podcasts are like two to three hours. But, but yeah, I mean, nonetheless, you, like, you listened to him. You, you liked it. And uh, I, I actually remember, I was like, all right, listen to this podcast. You listen to it. And literally right after, you're like, yo, we need to start a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's good to like, because I, I, I think like just by speaking like basically with someone else but having it recorded and listening to it like tim ferris i'm sure he says stuff on that podcast that like he didn't even realize about himself that he said he's saying on the podcast so when you talk to other people about i don't know things when you, when you talk to other people about their life it starts to help you like remember and and dive deeper into your own life uh, yeah I think, and, and like, you know, I think it's one of the things that helps and one of the things I miss about being in like corporate America is, is not having like people to talk to all day. Cause then I just like, one of the many things you miss. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So one of the many things I miss, including getting paid. <laughs> big one. Yeah. That's a very yeah, big one. Humor. Sprinkle some humor in here. Oh yeah. Humor bay it up. All right. So. Basically, we wanted to start a podcast because we listened to other people's podcasts and thought it was a great idea. Inspiration. If they can do it, they can do it why can't we? Right? Yeah. And, and actually, I, I will start. I will say, too, is that when we were in college, because we went, we went to college together, we were roommates. And, well, not direct roommates. We lived in the same seven-person house, which was the best time ever. Right. I, I would always make short films. And you would always want to like be a part would, of them. I would be your, your Hollywood star. Yeah, you you're my actor. I'd be the brains behind the scene, and and you'd be the beautiful talent. And we'd make teleportation videos, Target commercials, and yeah. many more. I know all of you listening to this can't see the visuals, but these hands right here are a thing of beauty. You, we always yeah. They could be. <laughs> hand, you could be. You could be a hand model if being a real estate analyst doesn't work out. Being a hand model is is the sure second career That's for you. Always been my plan B. But no, I I love plan C I, and plan D. Yeah, no, it's all the plans. And yeah, I just, I just always love like making stuff and producing content. And so for me, it was like no brainer. And, and when you were pumped about it, I was like, easy easiest decision ever to get right. into. This. Yeah, yeah, no, and I think also interviewing people will help you in your own career. You know. When you're networking, when you're trying to ask people questions about their own life, I think having a recorded podcast and hearing yourself talk and hearing like those 
little instances like where you're saying um and and you know you're, you're using too many you know things to fill gaps yeah yeah um but yeah so with that being said let's get into today's topic yeah what is today's topic i will be I no idea. today i will be interviewing nick and i haven't told nick what i've interviewing about yet <laughs> i yeah i so yeah I've, also I've no pre- idea. to preface this topic i want to go back to a week ago when Nick was with his girlfriend, Molly, and I had called them up on the phone and I had interrupted whatever they were doing because that's what I love to do, interrupt him. And it was something, it was something had, peachy. What, yeah. what, did I, what did I ask you? You said, hey, man, what's something that you hate? I was, okay, close enough. Right. I asked you, what's something that makes you angry? Oh, yeah, right. And the reason why I asked Nick this is because I believe anything that makes you angry is something that you know you you have like let alone a passion about but if, if it if it brings you to the point of anger it mm-hmm. means you care about it. and yeah. nick i believe this is what nick had told me and if it wasn't we can change the topic around <laughs> but it was people not discovering their potential people not reaching their potential and that is going to be the t- the topic of today is beautiful is potential. How do you get there? What are the steps? And you and I, obviously, we're only 23. So we haven't even discovered our potential yet, but at least we're taking steps towards it. Yeah. And and basically, we want to uncover about how, you know, how do you discover your potential? How do you uncover it? How do you define it? How do you obtain it? Basically, how how do you draw a path for yourself without having anything on on a piece of paper how do you start from scratch yeah go ahead sorry this is when i want to open it up to to ask you your first question (laughs) and this is i'm going to word this question differently than i'm not going to use the word potential but what i want to know is when did you realize you wanted to be abnormal and what i mean by that is not like the average person and yeah and and know that your potential was higher than other people's or know that you just you didn't want to be abnormal let's just leave it at that for now yeah i think well the broad question so you open up that no no it's good yeah i mean i i think it probably started when i was younger like when i remember when i was younger you know my dad always had like his own business it's not just about business but I remember him being able to kind of do what he wanted and he was killing himself with work, obviously working really hard, but he was in charge of his own destiny. And I always thought that was cool. And, and I kind of looked around and I saw that most people weren't doing that. So I kind of saw that abnormality when I was like younger, but I don't know. I I just think that everyone is normal, right? I mean, so like, why would you want to, I guess be like everyone else. So one of the, one of the moments that like really made me think about it was a video I saw by by Steve Jobs um talking about how our whole lives were taught that you know we have we live in this reality and you know we're not supposed to cause too much trouble and and do too many things to go outside that. Um but he said that once you realize that everything in this world that we call life was created by people who are no smarter than me and you, 
uh, it becomes very powerful because we can change that. We can influence it. We can create our own things that become part of other people's realities. And so when you're able to kind of have that influence, for, for me, it was very empowering. And, and not only that, but like the thought of just working a corporate job for, you know, 40, 50, 60 years and doing the same job is absolutely like dreadful. Right. I mean, don't, don't you think the same, like look around what everyone's doing and the majority of people are, are doing corporate jobs, working the same thing. And that's totally fine for a lot of people. Like I'm not, I'm not trying to knock people who, who love that because people love that and they love the security and safety. But it, for me, it's boring because I like to, I like to do interesting things. So what I would ask you then is if I think, I think it's safe to say that nobody sets a goal saying that they want to work at a desk their whole life. You know, I think, I think everyone has an inkling in them of, of wanting to be great, but, but at the end of the day, I'm sure people at our parents' age, who are now getting to the age of retirement, look back on their lives. And those people who have sat in an office for their entire life, working a corporate job their entire life, when they were our age, I'm sure they sat in the same seats as us and thought, I don't want to do that. But here they are, 40, 50 years our senior, and that's what they did. But why do you think they, what do you think happened in their life that caused them to not, you know, change their trajectory. Yeah, no, I, I, I think there's a very distinct moment, actually. And I, and I thought about this throughout college. Um, so, so when you're younger, right, say high school, you're 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, you're playing sports, you're trying new things, you're hanging out with new people, um, perhaps you're dabbling in drugs and other things. But, but the, the point is that, like, you're trying new things and you're always experimenting and seeing what you like and don't like. Right. Across the gamut, you should, you should I mean, absolutely try different things. And when you get to college, you continue that. You're joining different clubs, you're meeting new people, um, you're exploring new places. And, and, and again, you're, you're, you're still, a, I would say, an interesting person. You're still, again, doing new things that are expanding upon, upon your horizon. And then, then there's like a super distinct moment when you quit university, right? Or like you graduate and, and then you stop doing interesting things. Because when you were in college and in high school, you had all these resources where you could apply yourself to, to different things. And, and when you graduate, you don't have that resource anymore. And so it becomes up to you. So I mean, just, just, I mean, just think about it. Like with all the people we did, we, we knew in college, you know, everyone was doing cool things and it was on social media and everything now. And now when you go and look at their social media or LinkedIn or whatever it is, it's kind of like the same. It's kind of like, like mellowed out. Um, and I think because people want to become complacent after they graduate and, and they're making money and they're busy. And again, they totally are and that's fine. But two, they they don't have as much as much, or at least they don't think they have as much opportunity to pursue new new things. So, I think what it comes down to is that when people leave college, they don't have the uh, 
drive to to go and do interesting things by themselves. They they're when they were in their environment it was fine, but now that they're alone and and by themselves, they don't have that capability. So you brought up a good point with you uh you brought up social media and how it tied to that. Um do you think that social media is would it would essentially help people find their potential and drive their potential? Or do you think it kind of over, overwhelms them in the sense that they see all these different paths for them from all these other social media stars or, or even in their, their peers on social media? Do you think that when people have, you know, a bunch of different paths coming into them that they're visually seeing, that it's hard for them to pick a specific path and then let it, and then you know reach that potential based on that path or do you think that you know you know vice versa the opposite of that i don't know if i yeah. were that, that question i don't know if that made sense but uh. no it's it it's it i think it's a double-edged sword for sure i think that social media is is good and bad um on on the good side you see what people have and what you can potentially have. But on the other side, and, and actually let's explore the good for a second. You see what people have, you see what's going well. Um, but, you know, and that's good, and that motivates people. Then you, ha- you have people like, for example, uh, Tony Robbins or Tim Ferriss, like we mentioned, or, or Gary Vaynerchuk or whatever his last name is, who are always posting like motivational content. And a lot of it helped me when I was going through you know, my decision to leave my corporate job. Right. Um, and so, and so that motivated me to kind of like continue and to continue grinding, continue following my dreams. So I think it's a lot of good for, for motivation and, and to see the potential out there on the, on the bad side of it, you can't help but compare yourself. And, and I do this now today too. It's like, I'll go online and, and I'll see someone um, who is, you know, maybe they just raised half a million dollars for their startup or they're expanding into Florida in 40 new stores for their product. Or maybe it's just like someone who got engaged on Instagram. And so I can't help but compare myself like, oh, like I'm not doing enough. And like, I'm never going to get there because everyone's, it's all in my face right now that everyone's doing so well right now. And, and I'm, and I'm not there right now, you know, like it's, it, it, it I think the social media as a whole is, in the long run going to hurt our society um and I, I see that with my my little sister and how and how they mostly just care about how many likes they got and how they can again easily compare themselves so whether it's you know personally or professionally i, I just think that it's just it's just not gonna end well i think the bad side kind of over overtakes the good side mm-hmm. and I, I think you, you brought up a good point in the key word there is compare. And I think that, um, you know, we, before social media was even around as us as humans, we always compare ourselves to other people. You know, you're in a society, you always compare yourself to other people within that society. But what social media has done is it's brought our society closer to us and given us more opportunity to compare ourselves. Um, and I think, I think, like I said, Comparing, comparing is the is the is the brunt of the issue. It's not social media. Social media just it makes that 
you know, 10 times more apparent in your life. But yeah. as long as you compare yourself to other people, you know, everyone's potential is different and your potential is not going to be the same as, you know, someone you meet on the street. So, and I, I say this to my friends all the time too, um, here in St. Louis, I, you know, every time I hear them compare themselves to someone else. So like, you know, Becky's got these shoes. I want these shoes, you know, <laughs> don't compare yourself to Becky, but oh, we're going off on a tangent now, but, um, yeah, I think the I think the big part there, and I think you touched on it very well, is is not comparing yourself to other people when you're trying to um, discover and uncover what your specific potential is. Yeah, and yeah, I, I just yeah, it just it's just not going to end well. Like, I don't know. Again, it, it'll it'll motivate some people, but you need to have your own internal checks and balances to be able to kind of take in that content with a grain of salt because realize that everyone who's posting on social media is only posting or trying to portray their best life like like when i quit my job and you know i was making $130,000 with all my stock and stuff like that i didn't i didn't post on social media hey oh my god i just gave up $130,000 mm-hmm. like that like that's like that's like a loss, right? That's like a failure, I guess, to some people. And, you know, I'm, I'm not going to post about that. But when we close our $150,000 seed round, you, you best believe I'm going to be posting, oh my God, like, can't, like, super pumped. We just closed our $150,000 seed round. And what's a seed and, round for people who don't? Oh, don't yeah, sure, sure. Like myself, yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, so, yeah. So, in the startup, uh, startup world, when you're raising funds, uh, money, you have these financing rounds. So a seed round is usually the first round in raising money. So so you have an idea, right? You want to make an app and you think it's the best thing in the world, but there's a problem. You need to hire an engineer. You need to have money for marketing. Okay, so what do you do? What's the next step? Usually you go talk to angel investors who are basically people who have a lot of money who invest in early ideas and companies. So you raise money and it's called a seed round. So when you're financing a startup or any company, you have all these rounds. So your seed round is in the beginning, you'll have a series A round, B, C, D, whatever. So a seed round will be less than a million dollars. A series A round will be two, three, four, five, up to $10 million and so on. And so like Wayfair, for example, which is where I I worked previously, as you know, they raised, I think it's like a series D round and they raised like $350 million. So it, it gets up there as as it goes on. But well, yeah. thank you for uh, educating you. Thank you for educating Education. me on, on what a seed is. Because I thought it, I thought it was something that grew into a plant, but essentially it's the same thing, you know. Yeah, no, that, no, that's that's exactly yeah, that's actually exactly right. Yeah. Hopefully it blossoms into millions and billions of dollars, but that's it usually so. doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's let's bring it back to the topic. I know we got off topic there, but it's all good. Um, we're just we're just two guys going on and off topic. Two dudes being guys. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So we talked about when you realized that you were quote unquote abnormal. Um, sure. Yeah. And now I want to follow that with who helped you kind of unfold that and helped you. And I know you mentioned your, your dad, 
Um, and I don't know if you want to go more into depth about that or, or, or if it was not necessarily a single person or, you know, a group or a platform you had um, in college or before then, how that yeah. helped you uncover or, or um, you know, yeah, help, I, I obtain think, yourself. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think, well, I think it's who helped me realize I was abnormal and then, and then, and then what helped me. Um, and so for the who, it's, it's relatively straightforward, I guess it would be, you know, uh, my dad, but inadvertently, he didn't realize he was doing it. I saw that he had his own business and I just kind of naturally wanted to mimic that. So although he didn't tell me, hey, go start a business, uh, hey, go quit your job. In fact, it was the opposite. He said, stay at your job and, and you know, play it safe. Um, just because as a parent, they want safety and security and job security for their, for their kids. So I got that, but, you know, inadvertently he taught me that you can, you can, uh, do your own thing and be successful at it. And then of course my mom as well, my parents just being generally supportive of my entrepreneurial ventures. But, uh, yeah. And then, so that was like the main thing. And then seeing other just famous people and other entrepreneurs take risks, whether they were friends of mine or people I watched on YouTube or seen on TV, you know, just across the board, just seeing people take the leap of faith and, and just go for it is something that was, you know, empowering for me. Um, but then the, actually what is, is more, I think, like, interesting. Um, and that was because the what was actually is going out and, and trying stuff. So first off no, like no one taught me how to like do anything that I know how to do the the way I learned it is just by going and doing it and figuring it out so if you're waiting to like learn a skill or or wait for some sort of certification or wait like you're you're trying to hit some check boxes before you go and do something there's there's nothing that's going to teach you faster than just going out and trying it um and so like for example when I was younger like my first business which is the first thing, the first what that made me realize I was a little abnormal in terms of entrepreneurial was having my iPhone business. I would fix crack screens, water damage. And I was like, I don't know, like 15 or 16, I fixed a hundred phones and I made $30 a phone. So I made like 3000 bucks as a 16 year old. I was basically rich. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, I just watched a YouTube video on how to fix an iPhone. And that was it. And then I just went out and I got business cards and I just gave them out to people. I said, Hey, if your phone breaks, like, let me know, I'll go, I'll fix it. So yeah, that, that was like the main thing early on. And then, and then having entrepreneurial ventures in, in college, one of them was the charging chair, as you know, obviously the beach chair that charges your smartphone, which was unsuccessful. Um, and then the other one worth mentioning was dirtbymail.com where you can anonymously send a bag of dirt to a dirt bag. And, you know, with the charging chair, I learned about manufacturing and engineering with the dirt by mail. I learned a lot about legal problems because we got subpoenaed by a detective in, I think it was like Alabama. <laughs> and, and I remember that. Yeah, that was, <laughs> yeah, that was I, interesting. Yeah, I was scared. Because again, I didn't know what I was doing. I just wanted to make a few dollars and make like a funny prank website. But you know, from the legality aspect of it, I didn't have an attorney, and and I didn't know what to do. So it's funny because a kid in college dealing with an attorney does it's not usually for a, a business idea. It's usually for something um, 
something a lot worse. <laughs> yeah, some sort of illegal matters. Right. It's yeah. So I don't know. I think just the, the biggest thing, and actually, I will go back to the who helped me realize I was abnormal. Um, more just so because they realized they like taught me how to just like go out there and do it. Was I had two professors early on, or two teachers when I was in high school. Um, one of them taught me that the biggest skill you can have is to be an independent learner. And if you know how to teach yourself different skills, then you can do anything. So I learned that at a young age, like 14. And that's what prompted the iPhone business. And the other one uh, was a teacher who basically would always tell us that, like, hey, you have to show up to your own life. Like, your life isn't something to just call in. And he actually used um, some Red Hot Chili Peppers song. And the lyric is, like, uh, like your life is more than just a read through something like that. Basically saying like, Hey, don't just like let your life like flip by. And, and it's not just like you just cruising through it, like go out there and like be active in your life and, and live a lucid life where you're questioning everything and, and actually making impacts and, and yeah, just showing up to your own life. So that was a long winded answer to who helped me be abnormal, but <laughs> Right, no, and, I, and I would, I would, would you say that? First of all, I would agree with everything you just said. Thanks. Um, but would you say, and you can even use yourself for example, like if if, if you felt personally like this. But would you say for mm-hmm. it's tougher for kids in college, um, being in that sort of um, environment to un- uncover or or find their potential, being where they're constantly, you know. They're not independent yet in the say that they're going to class, their professor's giving them a grade, and it doesn't really feel like they're working towards their own potential, whereas it's it's someone else's grade they're trying to fulfill or, you know, they're just trying to do it for the grade. Because I know, mm-hmm. for example, and, and, and you know, this, this podcast isn't, isn't about me interviewing myself, but I know, <laughs> I know that I uncovered my potential and realized what I can do after college um, and when I was on my own and out of that sort of environment and um, I don't know if that's the same for you or if you want to you know go into yeah. that yeah yeah I think I think basically what you're asking is like can can you like still do interesting things and, and find your I don't want to say passion but you know, learn different things and experiment in college when you're trying to get good grades. And well, well not, not not necessarily. What what I'm saying is that do you think the environment in which college is is not a conducive environment for for a um, 18 to 20 year old kid, 22 year old kid to find um, what makes them you know get like what makes them jump out of bed in the morning? Because I think that. When we go back to what's normal and what's abnormal and who's normal and who's abnormal, I think when you're in a situation like when you're at a university and you're surrounded by, for the most part, people who are the same age, same, you know, skill level, you know, you're still learning because you're still in university. Does that help you find your potential or does that kind of discourage you from finding your potential? Yeah, I I think probably... I'd say overall on the whole it probably discourages you i mean just look at i mean just to talk about the whole education system right like on, on a high level what we're taught in in university and and before is like 
a bunch of information and memorize it. And then I'll give you the exam and regurgitate it. And so just at that level, there's like a problem because you don't learn how to critically think. And so how can you go out and explore your potential when you don't even have the ability to know how to do that? So, so I think that's a problem right there. But not only that, you know, so, so that's a big thing. But on, on, you know, to play devil's advocate, also in college, you have a lot of free time. So, you know, sure, you're, you're studying and you're trying to do well and you're trying to get good grades because you can, so you can get a good job or whatever. But that's the time to do it because you'll never have more free time in your life. So I think that even though college sets you up for, or just the education system sets you up to just kind of memorize and regurgitate information and not so much to apply it, mm-hmm. you do have the time, the freedom in, in the sense of time to go out and, and, and try new things. So, but, but to answer your question, I don't think universities like push that. I don't think they really push you to go and do things outside of the norm of, of college. You know, it's great. Like I said earlier, it's great to join clubs and that, and that's interesting, but most people don't take it to the next level, um, to go in and apply it to something bigger than just the university club. Mm -hmm. You, you want to get outside your school bubble and, and, and try to make an actual impact. And again, you can make an impact inside your school. That's totally fine. But if you want to take it to the next level, um, bring it outside your school. And most people don't do that. Right. And I think I think colleges, in essence, you know, the whole grading system. So you go into college and then you come out of college. And the only thing different between when you went in and when you came out is is your GPA. That's essentially what you were there for. Whoa, that, that, you also got a lot of debt while you were there too. Well, that too, yeah. Let's <laughs> not forget about that. You, but yeah, you have, you have you a GPA. Pay, it's basically you're half a person when you come out because <laughs> the other half you're paying off for the next 30 years. But yeah, so essentially you go in and then they shoot you out with a number. And in yeah. essence, that's what it is. I mean, there's a lot more to it. But what, what discouraged me as an individual was getting shot out that number. And then you're... They shoot you out into the real world and they say, this is, this is your number. This is what you're worth. And I think for most people, a lot of people our age, that's very discouraging, especially when you're trying to uncover your potential. potential. And I think being able to uncover your potential, in order to do that, you need a lot of confidence. Yeah. Because confidence is what's going to push you out of your comfort zone. And that's what's going to help you uncover that because when you're out of your comfort zone that's when you really learn about yourself more more than anything else and and i don't want to talk bad about you know universities and and, and schools and i believe education is very important but i believe i believe the way it's constructed now is not conducive for people to basically what we're talking about and i and we use potential as a as a overarching word but there's a lot of things that come with potential um and and i'm sure that's a story that's a topic for another day but um uh but yeah i I think i think we need to rethink our our um, education system um yeah and, and the thing like the gpa is fine like i get that you need some sort of baseline to 
understand at a glance how someone is, but I I also don't think it's even like remotely accurate to who the person is. Like for example, like a lot of colleges are not requiring the SATs anymore. Why? Because one test or one number is not a representation of who you are and and what you have and who you can become. Like like for example, I'm very proud of who I am today. Like I'm I'm going after my dreams. I'm I'm starting a business and you know, I I think that I'm just going after it. In in high school, my GPA was a 2.7 out of a 4.0 scale, which at a glance, if I said, if I just gave you a piece of paper that says my GPA is 2.7, you'd be like, okay, this guy is probably lazy, doesn't know what he's talking about, might just be below average, or maybe a little bit dumb. But I mean, I've taught myself how to code, I've taught myself how to make films, I've taught myself so many different skills. And and like I said, at 23, I was making 130K. So would you ever bet that a, a guy with a 2.7 GPA in high school would be making a, a lot of money right out of college? Probably not. And so it's not just what your GPA is, but like what like what are your interests and and what do you do about those interests? Like, oh, are you just interested and you don't do anything about it, or are you actually interested and you're gonna actually go and like do something about it, or are you just gonna kind of just let your interests be interests? Give me the per- like if you have a four GPA out of 4.0 that's great i'm sure you're really smart um but if you just study all day and you're not actually going and and doing anything or joining clubs or whatever it is then i'm not interested but give me someone who has a 3.0 gpa or 2.8 gpa and tried to start three businesses and failed all three times and is working at mcdonald's at night so he can or she can fund their startup or whatever it is that's that's way more of a better story and a person with in my opinion better potential right and that and that's i think that's the 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 essence of the question is, is us as humans, we all have our own story and your GPA isn't your story. And I think, especially in the recruiting world and, you know, when you're trying to find your first job and stuff like that, people look at your GPA and that's your story. And I understand that there's so many other people we have, they have to, you know, shoot out of the, you know, basket because the mm-hmm. basket can only hold so many. Um, and it's a way for, for people to come through a bunch of, of, of candidates at once but until we find a way to to look at people's stories because let's say you didn't go to college because you you know you wanted to start a business right out of high school sure and you wanted a mentor he saw your 27 gpa and all of a sudden you know oh i can find someone just as with the same paper same resume with mm-hmm. a with a 4.0 and because of that you're just shot out and yeah and I think I think that's a big problem, um, but I want to talk. Yeah, sorry. So yeah, no, let me just do real quick. Um, even even in like corp, some corporate jobs, some some schools and some actually even universities. Like whether you're someone in high school looking for a college or someone in college looking for a job, there'll be many universities and jobs where they'll just have like a cutoff. Like okay, if you don't have a three point six five GPA, then you can't even apply to us. And we won't even consider you. Right. And I, I think that, again, I understand that they need to have some sort of cutoff. And there needs to be a better way to interview a, a large amount of people. But you're missing a lot of potential and a lot of opportunity for people who probably think outside the box and do maybe 
perhaps more interesting things than study all day. All right. Yeah, I dealt with that personally when I was applying to the Naval Academy. I took mm-hmm. the SAT three times, and they needed a certain score. And I was right underneath the score, but if you didn't have um, an SAT you know, score above that, they wouldn't even accept your application. And to me, that kind of, especially in schools like academies, like the Naval Academy, Army, um, Coast Guard, blah, 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 like that's something, that's, that's an area that, you know, you don't just want someone with good grades. You want someone who's passionate is to serve their country. And, and when you look at someone just for their grade, that, that kind of, that, that, that's, I mean, I don't know an intellectual way of saying it, but that's shitty. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, like, it, it is like that, that, that sums it up. And it's just, and not only is it shitty, but it's, it's unfair. And, right, and the reason why I say that is because when you're, when you're essentially wanting to apply yourself, why do people apply themselves? They apply themselves because they're interested in that topic where they're, they're, they know that that's what they want to do. If you get someone, we're using the Naval Academy example, that has a 4.0 GPA, but the only reason why they're going to the Naval Academy is because they want that free education and it, it'll, they'll serve four years and then it'll look good. Whereas someone who has a, that doesn't have the right SAT score, but sure. wants to serve their country and, and wants to do it as a career. If you and put, doing it for the right reasons. Right. And if you put them in and give them that opportunity, I'm, I guarantee you they'll do just as well at the school, at the Naval Academy or, or wherever, than that person with the substantial, substantially higher SAT score. Um, if, not, if not better, because they'll have because they're doing it because they want to be there and because they love it, not just exactly. so not just so they can get the free education and it'll look good on paper to say that they're a veteran. And again, respect to all people who serve, but to the person who really wants it, regardless of if it's military or not, the person who's going to you know, work the long nights and pull the all-nighters and, and put their heart and soul into it is the person you want, whether they have a 2.5 or a 4.0 GPA or SAT score. Correct, yes. And... I want to, the next topic or the same topic, but. Um, yeah, hit me with another cue. <laughs> <laughs> so I watched a um, kind of like a motiv- motivational speech the other day. It was Matthew McConaughey. I forget the topic, All but right. I think it was actually his um, Academy Award winning speech or whatever. But he had, um, he had three major uh, kind of, areas he was talking about he was talking about who he looks up to um who his hero is and uh what he works for and the the main one that stood out you know he talked about his family and how his family is what you know what he works for blah 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 and you know his faith and all that but one interesting thing that he kind of brought up and it kind of goes hand in hand with potential is who his hero is and what he said in that speech kind of struck a chord with me he said his hero was him in 10 years and that's who he looked up to was was him in 10 years and i think that goes like i said hand in hand with potential because the reason why he said it was him in 10 years was because when he got let's say he's 20 years old it's my, my hero is me in thir- at 30 so he gets to yep. 30 someone asks you oh you met your hero no my hero is 40 and what 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 i'm trying to get to there is that you're you're he saw his hero as his potential. 
that was him in 10 years. So your potential kind of always keeps getting pushed off. And you might think that you discovered your potential now, but now that you've discovered your potential, it just got pushed forward 10 more years. So, but my question is, is that when you finally, you know, hit a milestone or, or a goal in your life, um, how do you, you know, turn that into the next goal and into continuously growing and, and your potential growing with that? Yeah, I think, well, first, I think that I, I've actually seen that video with Matthew McConaughey. And yeah, it struck a chord with me, too. I, I think it's it's super inspirational and it's very clever. And and like you said, it's him talking about him always looking up to his potential. Um, and it's it's also a sign of like not being complacent and always wanting to be more, be better. So I have tremendous respect for it. So, I mean, when you hit a goal. Like, first, I think you should be happy about it because you hit your goal. But I think, like, intrinsically, you feel that, yeah, I hit that goal and that was great. But you just want to keep going and you want to do a bigger goal. For for example, you know, we're raising $150,000 and within a few weeks, we could be done with that goal. That's a lot of money. Right now, it is at least. But I guarantee you in eight months when we're trying to raise you know, when we need to raise more money, I'm not going to raise another $150,000 because I already did it. And we're going to need a larger amount of money. So I'm going to probably raise a million dollars. And so I think it comes out of necessity because as a person, as a human, you want to keep growing, but also because you've already accomplished the previous goals. And so you can just keep going. One of the things I learned when I was at Wayfair, which is the job I was at before I quit about two months ago, is that when you're building something, you're never done. And that was the first thing my manager said. He said, Hey, like Nick, like welcome to the team. This is our, this is the tool that we work on and we're building it. He's like, I just want you to let you know that like, we're never done. There's always going to be things to improve, always things to make better, always a way to take it to the next level. And so that's kind of something, some sort of mantra that I've taken on. Um, And so even though you might hit a milestone, you know, a million dollars in revenue, a hundred thousand users, whatever it is, what are you going to do? Stop. Like, oh my God, I just did this amazing thing and now's the time I should stop. No, you're going to want to see how far you can push it and how far you can take it, whether that's in real estate that you're buying or whether that's the amount of users you want or just how good of a person you are. You always want to try to be the best at what you can be. So I think that it's always wanting to grow and, and not being complacent because once you're complacent and once you're satisfied, especially in the business world, you're dead in the water. Because a competitor is going to come in and, and kick your butt. And, right. and then you're going to lose. Like um, Blockbuster. like uh... Exactly. Netflix, like how Netflix did to Blockbuster. Blockbuster. I mean, think about Blockbuster 20 years ago. They, had, they were the like, movie rental place. You, right. you needed a movie. Blockbuster, baby. It was a family trip. Get the kids. Get the dog. Hop in the car. We're going to goddamn Blockbuster. And get a pizza. And, yeah. Get a pizza. And, and then you were good to go. But then Netflix came and they had, hey, let's send DVDs to consumers through the mail. And then they had online streaming. Blockbuster thought, oh, it's never going to catch on. And, and their failure to, to change and their, fail, and, and their very high amount of complacency led them to, to fail. Um, and it's happened in so many companies across so many different industries. So would you say complacency is 
essentially saying the same thing as thinking you reached your potential, right? More or yeah. less. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's saying, and and again, I'm not trying to knock people who are happy with where they are. Like, totally take a step back and acknowledge that where you are is good. But when when you say like when you say like, oh, I'm good here. I'm just gonna stay here for the rest of my life. Like that's that's really it's bad. Depre- that's like, depressing. Yeah, it is depressing, and and a lot of people are like that. I've interned at different companies in in Boston, where my managers who who I worked for at that time had been in that same position for 20, 30 years. 20 or 30 years, your day-to-day hasn't changed. You haven't grown. You haven't been promoted. What what are you doing? <laughs> like it was it's just it's just baffling to me. So yeah, complacency is absolutely like the one thing that I can't stand in people. And again, it's totally fine not everyone has to be quitting their high paying job, but like I did, I'm not saying that, but just, just have a plan where you can have the opportunity to grow. And otherwise like your, your, your hero in Matthew McConaughey's words is going to be, you know, who you were 20 years ago. And, and then you're never growing. You're just staying the same. Right. Yeah. And, uh, and for those people who stay in those jobs for, years and years and years to me it seems like they've gotten deterred from from stepping out of their comfort zone because the more you wait for your to to discover your potential the harder it's going to get um especially as especially as you get used to having all that income and it's harder to take risks when you're older because you might have a family higher bills whatever it is but uh yeah, you have to take it early on because changing change is hard enough and it's hard like people hate change. So if you can not do something for a long period of time, it'll be easier to change because you won't be so set in your routine. Yeah, when I when I took this job out here in St. Louis, I moved from New York all the way to St. Louis and people are like asking me like do you know anyone here like like, why, why St. Louis? I'm like, no, I didn't, I don't know anyone here. I just, I wanted to change and I, I made a change. And then to me, they look at me and they're like, wow, like I could never do that. But I, I tell them, like, why? Yeah. <laughs> What's stopping you from doing it? it was, I'm, an, I'm an average day, you know, person just like you. Why, yeah, can't, you, why can't you do it? Um, I think people give themselves these brick walls and put them in front of them. And, and you just want to like, I know, I know you, so I, I, I know you as a person and I know you want to like, just punch these brick walls down in front of people. Yeah. It's like, there's no wall there. Just, just keep going. But, um, um it, they put, they put it in their mind and, and again, like, it's fine, but I think people do it because like, it makes it almost easier to cope with when you, when people p- pretend that they there's all these barriers to do things that they've always wanted to do. It, it takes the pressure off them and they don't have to live in like a place of, of full potential because like we said, it's scary to make change and, and people don't want to make change. And so if they can make excuses to not, you know, get out of their comfort zone then they're going to do it. And that's where those brick walls come up. Um, but what they don't realize is that on the other side of like all their, like 
their fears and their uncertainties is literally everything you've ever wanted in life. Like I've always wanted to pursue my own passion and and follow my own dreams and, and start my own company, which is, which is that. And, and quitting my job was the brick wall that I had. But now that I've done it, it's like what I'm doing right now is literally everything I've ever wanted. And in 10 years, I'll want other things and I'll, and I'll overcome those barriers. But right now, like I'm living how I want to. Right. And you brought up a good point. I remember I was listening to the radio. I forgot who it was. I think it was. Um, God, you ever see the show 30 Rock? Yeah. Who's he talks like this? What's his name? <laughs> he was on um, SNL. Let me see. I'm pulling. I'm pulling up the cast. Don't worry. I got my handy dandy uh, MacBook Pro right in front of me. Uh, it's Tracy Morgan. Tracy no. Morgan. Yeah, yeah. Tracy yeah. Morgan was getting interviewed about about his life, and and he said he would tell his kids. He goes, "What's on the other side of fear?" And he would say, "There's nothing." People are afraid. But when you look at it, you take fear out of it. There, there's nothing on the other. You know, there, there's nothing. There's nothing behind fear. Fear is this thing we created. Yeah. And 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 I might do. I might be doing a bad job of explaining what kind of his his notions behind it. But essentially, we create fear ourselves, and we Absolutely. make we make it this barrier. But in reality, there's nothing behind fear. Fear is nothing. I no, literally that's it like it's just it's just something made up that like what's the worst case scenario in life you die right that's the worst case scenario you and like usually that's it when you think of what you might want to do I guarantee you the worst case scenario is not you dying like sure you might like not have an income like I don't but but to be honest with you like so I was making all this money at Wayfair as a software engineer it was great and I quit two months ago. To be honest with you, my, my life hasn't changed really at all into, from a financial point of view. Like, sure, like I had money saved up, but you know, not having an income, I'm not buying less or more things. I'm just doing what I was doing anyways. And so, I don't know, when you get, kind of get over the fear of money and not having money, um, it's interesting because your life actually doesn't change that dramatically from from when you were having all this income it's i mean maybe it's just because i'm not a super huge materialistic person but i don't need to be buying things every weekend so i don't know i i've I've lived with money i've lived without money my life's the same interesting well i think (laughs) i think we're we're getting to that time right now it's about about an hour and i just wanted one more question just to wrap it up yeah how would you kind of one sentence. What? How would you define potential? You can leave your audience with one more thing. <laughs> what would it be? I you think some, you could take some time to think about it. Yeah, I mean, what is potential? I just think it's it's pretty simple. I just think it's your ability to do whatever you wanted, and so that's it. Your ability to do whatever you wanted. But what comes with that is when you like, say you have, wanted, you would say wanted as in past tense. Yeah, you're right. Everything, everything you want is and more <laughs> <laughs> to infinity and beyond. But yeah, you you have to put the work in. Like, don't get me wrong, but the potential is is what you can accomplish. And if you 
don't put the work in or don't take the risks, you're not going to, you're never going to accomplish it. So I guess I would just say like, just go out there and, and try something because like, what's the worst thing that can happen? And, you know, just a quick aside, like when I was, I think I actually might have it right in front of me when I, when I was leaving Wayfair or making the decision in the midst of making the decision to leave Wayfair, I wrote out a pros and cons list. I think it's on my phone and it's, it's crazy when you actually write it down and you actually compare it. It's, it's not like scary. So I have it right here. Pros like work for my own business, huge potential financial success. It's, it's not about the money for me. I mean, I want to make a lot of money, but it's more about just like being able to create a huge learning opportunity following my passion and live life with hashtag no regrets. If it fails, I know I'd be happy that I tried. And if I don't try, I'll never know. I had, like I said, I had money saved up, so I wouldn't need, you know, I could live for the next nine or 10 months without money. So money wasn't a problem. And you know, I'm 23. I can always find a new job. Jobs are always there. So the pros were obvious, but the cons, it was like my startup could fail. My, parents might not understand and I don't want to leave my team. So like the startup could fail, not a big deal. My parents might not understand. Well, it's not their decision to make and leaving my team. They might not understand. Well, people quit jobs every single day. So I'm sure they'll be fine, especially at a big company like Wayfair. So yeah, so write down the pros and cons and see like what it is that you want to do and just, you know, weigh it out. I guarantee that, well, I can't guarantee it, but I bet you you'll be surprised to figure out how scary it isn't. You know? So, yeah, so that's, that's what I think. Oh, I know. I hear you. I'm, I'm ready. <laughs> you got me going. I'm, I'm going to run out the door right now and discover my potential. What is my potential? It's, it's you in 10 years, man. It's anything you want it to be. <laughs> it is anything you want it to be. Um, well, thank you, yeah. Big O'Hara, for, for giving me your time. Um, for those of you who, uh, who who haven't heard of Nick's app, it's called Canary. Check it out. It's on the App Store. Android, iPhone, whatever kind of fucking phone you have, unless it's not a smartphone. If you've got a flip phone, you're doing something else wrong. You need to go get a smartphone out there. Um, if you're a mu musician or a bar and you want to find a musician or you want to find a bar, you, you go to this app. And it'll hook you up. It'll hook you up. Oh, check it out. You can do, do you can do, I think it's canaryapp.io is the, uh, the URL for the website on the interwebs. So yeah, check it out. And it I out. think, I think next week, you know, I think our format's going to be each week we'll, just, you know, back and forth. With different oh yeah. We're going to talk about conversations. Next yeah. So, I mean, so next week, I think uh, we want this to be like a conversation and be like as natural as possible. So Next week, I'll, I'll pick the topic and, and, and some questions so I can ask Alex and we can kind of steer the conversation um, for whatever topic I decide. But yeah, next week, I'll, uh, I got to think of what I want to ask you and what topic we want to cover. But yeah, we'll, we'll talk about it then. And then I guess we'll just switch off each week. And perhaps maybe in the future, we'll bring on some, some guests if we want to uh, interview some other potentially interesting people. I don't know who could be more interesting than us, but I don't know. I guess we'll find out. We will find out. Thanks for joining us, guys, and uh, we'll see you next week.